This is Malia Warner, and I want to welcome you to the Power Podcast and the 2020 theme, Power Perspective, where we discuss ideas to help you find positive change by seeing your life in a new way. This is episode 53, Your Blind Spot. Love that rhythm. Hi friends, it is January 2020. It is a beautiful snowy day in my hometown. I feel like my house is in a snow globe that is being well shaken. And I love it, though it does make driving very interesting. And speaking of driving, I typically drive around our family minivan, though on occasion I end up taking the car my husband usually drives. A few years ago, he got a Mazda, and shortly after purchasing it, I ended up in the Mazda on the freeway going north on I-15 towards Salt Lake City. And I signaled to merge into the left lane. I looked over my left shoulder, checked the rear view mirror, started pulling over, and nearly collided broadside with a bright red sports car. I had looked for it. I had looked, I had checked my mirrors, I had checked over my shoulders. Where had this car come from? It had been there the entire time, but I had not seen it. Later, when I shared the news that I almost caused a collision on the freeway, my husband said, oh yes, that car has a horrible blind spot. So now when I drive the Mazda, I know I have to look harder. My casual over-the-shoulder glance isn't going to work. Because of the car's blind spots, I have to stretch myself further and look more deliberately than I would normally need to do in order to see what is really there. As humans, we all have blind spots regarding our attitudes, behaviors, actions, and personality. Did you know that these blind spots might be causing some of your collisions? In today's episode, we are learning how to see what is really there in our blind spots. There are some really interesting ideas today. I'm so glad you're here. I really think you're going to leave with a new perspective and being able to see things that you had been blind to before. That's the goal, isn't it? A new perspective. Let's start first by talking about eyes, as in eyeballs. Every eyeball has a built-in blind spot. If you think about the diagram of an eye from your junior high biology class, and our retina sits on the curve on the back of our eye, and the retina is covered with receptors called rods and cones. But there's one place about the size of a pinhead where the optic nerve has to go through the retina to connect to the brain. And so at that little point, there are no receptors, no rods or cones, and so there is a blind spot. But we don't notice these blind spots. For example, when I'm looking out my front window watching a snowstorm, I don't notice a black spot on each eye where there's not an image of the snow in my front yard coming in. And this isn't because the pinhead sized blind spot is so small. If we could magnify, there still wouldn't be a black spot. Why? Because our brain fills in the blanks. Our brain copies the information from what the other rods and cones are seeing and duplicates it to compensate for that area of blind spot. So what the brain fills in isn't necessarily what's really there, 
but what our brain expects to be there. Thus, we see what we expect to see. So what is a blind spot in regards to your personality rather than talking about actual physical eyesight? Since this is a podcast, I can't show you this visual. So you're going to have to imagine. Think of a quadrant. So think of a square divided into four parts. These represent four aspects of your personality. So split your square in half vertically. On the left half, that left column is going to be things that you know about yourself. On the right half, the right vertical column are things that you don't know about yourself. Now in your imagination, split your square horizontally. The top half are things that other people know about you. The bottom half, that bottom row is things that other people don't know about you. So the top half, things other people know about you, bottom half, things other people don't know about you. Now where these columns and rows overlap, we get these four categories. Category one in the top left quadrant is things that you know about yourself and things that other people know about yourself. This is your open area. For example, you might know and other people might know that you have blonde hair, that you are five feet, 11 tall, that you are an avid runner. Obviously not talking about myself here. Other open information could be that you're a Taylor Swift fan or that you very strongly dislike Taylor Swift. Maybe it's very open your religious affiliation or your political affiliation. Maybe you know and everybody around you knows that you are Republican or that you are Democrat. Just examples here. This is your open quadrant. These are things that you know about yourself and that other people know about you as well. Category number two, go down to your bottom left quadrant. These are things that you know about yourself that other people do not know. This is your hidden quadrant. These are going to be things that are treasures of your heart or dirty little secrets. Maybe you are a closet Taylor Swift fan, something that you know you adore her music, but you would never be caught dead admitting that to anyone else. Maybe you worship Bernie Sanders, but you would never confess that out loud to anyone. Still not talking about myself here. So your hidden quadrant can be the area where you keep up your facade or may also be hiding some unseen genius. Let's move to the third quadrant, which is the top right. This top white that's a little bit of a tongue twister. Try to say that three times fast. The top right quadrant are the things that other people know about you that you don't know about yourself. This is your blind spot quadrant. The things about you that other people know, but that you don't. And that fourth quadrant, the bottom right quadrant is what others don't know about you and you don't know about yourself. This is the unknown quadrant, the unknown but to God. Other people don't know it about you and you don't know it about yourself either. And you guessed it, that third quadrant is where we are focusing today, the blind spot. Things others know about you that you don't know about yourself. 
I'm going to give a quick example so it makes a little more sense before delving into it deeper. And the example is there are basically four voice types. Every human has a primary voice style that fits into one of four categories. You have an authoritative voice type, you have a fun voice type, casual voice type, or an analytical voice type. And my default voice is authoritative. You can hear it. I didn't know this until my husband started calling to my attention when I sounded harsh. Spouses are great resources for discovering blind spots, but be careful, don't tell people their blind spots unless they ask. But he would say, are you mad? And no, I wasn't mad, I was just talking. I was completely unaware that to me, what feels like my normal conversation voice can come off sounding pretty intense. And as you can imagine, that blind spot puts me at risk for collisions in meetings, with family, at church. And even though it's been called to my attention now, it's such a blind spot for me that I still spend more time unaware than aware. But I am working to change that. You can probably call to mind different people you know and identify what their voice type is. I would venture to guess that you can name several authoritarian voice types who are likely unaware how harsh and intense they can sound when they speak. So voice is just one of dozens, probably hundreds of areas where we can have a blind spot. For fun, let's do this. Think of someone you know. It's just for fun. Maybe it's a little creepy, but think of someone you know. What is it that everyone knows about them that they don't know about themselves? It's so obvious. That person who has bad breath, that lady who only talks about herself and never asks how you're doing, or the person who only ever talks about their problems and you know when you run into them that their entire conversation is going to be about how everything always goes wrong, that they have the worst luck, that nothing ever works out for them. You can right now probably think of a handful of different people and what is commonly known about them that they don't have a clue about. It's so much easier to see blind spots in others than in ourselves. Why? Because our brains fill in the gap so that we don't know anything is missing. We see what we expect to see. Years ago, I took a self-defense class and the police instructor said that 95% of us walk around completely oblivious to our surroundings. His first step to self-defense was to wake up and pay attention to where we are, what we are doing, what is going on around us. That statistic has always stayed with me and I find it to be true. The majority of time we go around with our thoughts engrossed in something that's happened in the past or worrying about something that's going to happen in the future and we aren't conscious in the present. Sounds like episode 48, which was titled Christmas Presents, but you can listen to it any time of the calendar year. My word for this year is listen, and it's really more about pausing and listening and making sure that I am present in the moment, really hearing what is going on 
and truly understanding the conversation or the question before I respond, before I react, before I speak. I didn't realize until working on this podcast that this word is going to help reveal several blind spots for me. So far, I think it's been my most challenging word. So let's list out some possible blind spots. These are just a few examples, speckles in a myriad possibilities, but I think just hearing examples will help your eyes to be more open to other areas as well. Okay, so number one, someone's blind spot might be going it alone. This is the person who will never ask for help. Number two, being insensitive of how your behavior affects others. This is the person who is completely unaware of how they show up, how they interact. They're oblivious to how people respond to them. They're oblivious to how they make people feel. They don't watch body language signals or really listen to what is being said. So this is a blind spot of insensitivity. Number three, having an I know attitude. This is valuing being right above everything else. It doesn't really matter what's going on in the situation as long as this person comes out right. So it's a blind spot of the I know attitude. Number four, being a one-upper. This is when someone shares some good news, a personal win or unique experience, and instead of being able to let them have their moment, this person has to turn the conversation back to them. They have to say something that tops that story. The comedian Brian Regan has a great term for this. He calls it being a me monster. Life is all about me. The world revolves around me. If you tell me a story about something that went well for you or something you're excited about, I'm going to interject probably before you even finish with something that happened to me that is going to be even bigger, better, brighter, more fantastical. Do you know a person who is a me monster? I think we all do. And I think we all have at times been guilty of being a me monster. So again, much easier to spot in others than in ourselves and really easy to fix as long as you're aware that you do it. Number five, avoiding difficult conversations. This is the person who will let crap just keep flying as long as they can avoid conflict. They will let people continue running over them. They will let people continue running over their loved ones all because they refuse to engage with conflict. I used to believe that a good marriage, that a good relationship didn't have conflict. Now I believe the opposite. I believe if there's no conflict in a relationship, that just means that there isn't enough caring going on, that someone is being a pushover, that the difficult conversations aren't being addressed. Now, unresolved conflict, not a good thing, but conflict resolution actually deepens our intimacy and strengthens the relationship. So could that be a blind spot of yours? Do you avoid conflict? Do you avoid having the difficult conversation? This is closely related to not taking a stand. This person has a lack of commitment to anything. 
And this could be for a lot of reasons, fear of making a wrong decision, fear of being ridiculed, but whatever the reason, this person likely doesn't know this is their blind spot, that they lack ability to take a stand. Number six, blaming, blaming other people, blaming our circumstances. This person plays the victim, refuses to accept responsibility and accountability for their own life, their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own actions, and their results. This is a huge blind spot. And how do you know if it's your blind spot? Listen to the sound of your own voice. Listen for when you hear yourself blaming. Just listen for blame. Just observe yourself. Listen and see if you catch yourself blaming. Number seven, treating commitments casually. This is the person who doesn't honor other people's time. They show up late. It doesn't matter to them if people have been waiting, if they've put somebody else out. They don't respect other people's resources. This is a person who is blindly careless about life. Number eight, conspiring against others. This person is driven by a personal agenda and somehow has the beliefs that bringing other people down will raise them up. Number nine, withholding emotional commitment. This is the person who engages in emotional blackmail. And maybe you can immediately think of someone who does that, someone who is a manipulator, someone who holds back their love until they get what they want. And number 10, tolerating good enough. Someone who has low standards for performance. Now, what I want to say about this is that I think there are about 70 percent of areas in our life where good enough is good enough. But to be healthy, each of us need a couple of areas that we care about to do our best, to put our whole heart and soul into those areas. So if you have a person that nothing in life matters, everything is sloppy, that is a blind spot of tolerating low standards. So there is a list of 10 examples of behavioral personality trait blind spots. We could make a lengthy list of hygiene blind spots, which I won't because I think it will be a disgusting conversation. And because in pouring my heart and soul into these book edit revisions, my hygiene and personal parents have been lacking. So who am I to point fingers? But I guess at least the good thing is I'm aware of it. It's not a, not a blind spot. I know to send someone else in my family to open the door so I don't scare our friends away. So let's ask the question, why is identifying blind spots important? Isn't it okay to just go through life, just kind of surf through life not being aware? Well, no, it's not. Self-awareness is a crucial key to happiness and success. Without self-awareness, we move through relationships and experiences disconnected, unaware of how others receive us and perceive us, and we're unable to take full responsibility for our outcomes. Our blind spots are barriers that limit our life experience. So how can we see our blind spots? If they're blind to us, how can we see them? Just like driving the Mazda, that blind spot doesn't make it impossible for me to see. It just means I have to look around it. 
Just because our car has a terrible blind spot does not mean we have to settle for colliding into cars next to us. We are able to look around blind spots. A really good way is mirrors. This is why vehicles have mirrors. They help us to see angles that we normally wouldn't be able to see. And where are the mirrors around us? Our relationships. If you're really brave, you can pick a blind spot buddy and ask them, what is a blind spot that you think I have that I could be more aware of? If you do this, be prepared because people will be honest with you. Maybe you're not feeling quite so bold and that is okay. People give us feedback all the time. The problem is we're so much in our own heads, we don't notice it. If you can get out of your head and be present and observe other people's body language, what they say, how they position themselves when they stand near you, there are all kinds of clues to how our behavior and actions are affecting others. One of the most effective ways, and I love this, is to surround yourself with diverse thinkers with the intention of learning from them. If you only associate with people who think exactly the same way you do, you're going to have a lot more blind spots. CEOs and bosses of companies make a mistake of hiring people who are too much like them and that actually damages their companies. Communities and companies are stronger when they reflect a variety of perspectives, experiences, and approaches to problem solving. Something we could all benefit from a lot in our country is the ability to learn how to disagree better. That instead of believing that I have to be right, to understand that I can exist happily and healthily within a community of different perspectives. Another really effective way to reveal blind spots is to examine your past. Are you on your third marriage and are the same issues from your first and second marriages resurfacing in your third marriage? That's probably a good sign that the problems aren't in your spouse, but in your own blind spots. Are you in your eighth, 12th, 20th year of marriage, 30th year of marriage, 40th year of marriage, and are the same arguments and issues from year one, three, and five still coming up in your marriage? Really good indicator that there are probably some unresolved blind spots happening there. Two more ideas here. Identifying triggers. Marshall Goldsmith wrote the book Triggers, and it explains that we all have triggers. We all have situations that cause us to impulsively or instinctively react without thinking, again, without being present. And when we can learn to identify these triggers, then we can master our responses and make those triggers work for us rather than against us. And a podcast episode about triggers would be a fantastic discussion for another time. So I will make a note of that to do a podcast episode about triggers. Final idea here is to seek out a mentor, a coach, an advisor, a teacher, a counselor, a therapist. 
I think in the past, the concept of therapy has really had a lot of negative connotation associated with it. But there is power in being able to talk to someone who is neutral, who isn't a family member or a spouse, who isn't so closely intertwined with your blind spots and the effects that your blind spots are having on them. Being able to talk to someone neutral where they can really help you to hear what you're saying and see what you're missing. It is predicted that over the next few years, mentors, life coaches, therapists are going to become as common as gyms. If you think about it, in the 1960s, people didn't buy memberships to gyms. There wasn't a Gold's Gym or a Vasa Fitness Center on every corner. My parents never bought a membership to a gym and went to work out, yet they're so prevalent now. More people understand and value the importance of cardio exercise and stretching and weightlifting. And we don't work on farms like we did back in the day. So we don't have the opportunity for physical labor like people in the past did. Well, in the future, people are going to increase an understanding and value of thought health and emotional health. Perhaps we'll need more coaching and mentoring as the future progresses because we are getting more socially disconnected. In any case, if anyone asks me about therapy or counseling individually or marriage, I am all pro. I am all in favor. I first saw a therapist, a counselor individually when I was healing from postpartum depression, and it was so enlightening. I actually felt like I was getting the most amazing Sunday school lesson every week. And I thought, why don't we all do this? And then I brought my husband along and we did some marriage counseling and other times we've done marriage counseling together. And it's great. It's like the best education. For me, I really value life education. We send our kids to school where they learn how to calculate the area of a parabola and how many of them are going to use that. Very few. But we don't educate them about their minds and their emotions and their relationships. And for me, I think we can all really benefit from getting life education. So seeking out a coach, a mentor, a counselor can really help you to discover and see your blind spots. In conclusion, I think it's so important to emphasize that this is not an invitation to get down on yourself, to have a pity party because you have so many faults. Not at all. This is not about being self-critical. This is about being self-aware. We all have blind spots, all of us. We are in this blind spot boat together. So why should we even make the effort to discover and change these blind spots behavior? Because blind spots are a barrier that limit our life experience and prevent us from living a full and rich life. So my friends, I hope this episode has been enlightening to you and that by listening, you've been able to see a couple of things that maybe you were blind to before. That's my goal. That's what we're all working for here at the Power Podcast to develop 2020 vision. Have a great week with new perspective and I will meet you back here for another episode of the Power Podcast. See you then. Bye-bye.